1: Boom, we're on. And <laughs> <laughs> today's guest, we've got a boy's own legend, Shane Lynch. How are you, brother? What's the
0: crack? Not a lot. Ah, yeah. Home. What's the crack? <laughs> How have you been? Really good. Good. Yeah, really good in these mad times. It'd be uh, silly not to talk about them for sure. Yeah. But, you know, uh, I think... Um, we're on, the up. We're on the up, I think, mm-hmm. for me anyway. Yeah. You look happy. I am happy. Good. I don't know if it's
1: because you're sitting across from me. but <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> listen, the biggest podcaster in the world. You know what I'm saying? So, you, know,
1: you know it, brother. The
0: honour's all mine. <laughs> it's a cracking
1: gaff. You're in here, man. What is this?
0: This is a, a studio, TV studio I've been building for the last three, four months. And uh, you know what? It's, it's all about, I think, where I saw the world going. And the world going from the whole lockdown scenario um, and the way me as a public figure or a guy you see on telly, knowing that it's, it's all going to get a little bit more difficult and a little bit harder for everybody to fight their way tr- through the pack. Like, there's a lot of artists out there uh, in the industry and now they're sat on their arse. That's the truth. They're sat on their arse going, well, who's going to give me the next, the next uh, pay- payload here? So I kind of looked... Beyond that until, right, I want to make my own shows. I want to make my own TV shows and have my own guests on, which is yourself yes. later on tonight. Um, and it's basically kind of, and given, given a little bit of, when I say hope and chance, um, it's kind of, uh, we are a, well, you're sat by the bar here. Shenanigans, we're calling it, right? And in the shenanigans, this is a zero-alcohol bar, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, because it's kind of dealing with cars, you know, I'm a car head. So the shenanigans bar basically is um, we're going to we show some clips of of different things of what what people like to flick through on their phone constantly, all day, all day. So kind of re- trying to relate to the people too, and then just have a laugh and a giggle about them, which we're going to show you some clips later on uh, on the show. And it's called my dream machine, and my dream machine is we kind of uh, a building this TV show and building this set. We go live every Tuesday nights at uh, 7 p.m. It's a Facebook thing. We don't have the big conglomerate TV people on our side. And I think we don't want them. We want to just create our own little space. Yeah. And within that own little space, you, ha- you make your own rules. And making your own rules for me was always important as a kid growing up. To an extent, I always kind of uh, suffered with authority, so I'm trying to (laughs) carve my way in the Mm -hmm. future with my own rules. Mm -hmm.
1: That's great, though, that you're thinking outside the box, because I believe social media and stuff is booming. YouTube is booming. Your stuff's on YouTube, and we're beating some of the biggest TV channels out there with millions of views per month. So no matter if it's Facebook, Instagram, if you're hitting numbers and doing something that you enjoy, that's the whole thing about it. Do you know what I mean? It's just finding something else to not a backup plan but it's another avenue to promote yourself do interviews and enjoy something that you love to do
0: I think so I think um, you know spending years and years travelling the world in Boyzone and going from radio station to TV station and all kinds of stuff and it's to build a product as such but you know you're also feeding it to other people's front rooms and other people's scenarios and lives for sure and to kind of think that okay Boyzone's over now but to kind of think that uh, there's no more avenues other than reality TV shows for me. Um, or over the last few years, I've certainly, I've, I've made or carved my way through kind of car programs, uh, not geo, global and stuff. We did a couple of, uh, it was called Supercar Mega Build and then Scrapyard Yard Supercar and a few different series like that. And it kind of gave me that little insight to, actually, I could do this myself. And within this box that we're sat in now, is a big warehouse just outside that big sliding door. And that's where a lot of the the, the custom-built stuff and my toys are out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want to build, I want to bring other, and give opportunity, you know. I think at this point in life, being in any particular position, if you have a way to give folk opportunity uh, to get themselves out there, then it's important. It's important to help, to reach out in many scenarios. And uh, as, a, as a young kid growing up and always always customizing from my skateboard to my BMX, to my motorbike, to my cars, to my trucks. You know what I mean? I was always doing something to them. And there's a lot of amazing creatives out there and artists out there. I call those kind of custom builders artists. And I want to give them a platform to be able to come in here too. Come in here and, uh, and showcase their, their custom shops and their builds and stuff, you know, on my TV show. Yeah,
1: fair play. Mm. I always go back to the start with my guest brother, get a wee bit better understanding yeah. about yourself, where you grew up and how it all began.
0: Born and raised in Dublin. Uh, I was born in 1976. That makes me 40. Old as fuck. <laughs> 40, I think I'm 44. 44. I think I'm 44. 44 years old right now. Um, I was a, uh, I suppose, a, a little bit of a recluse as a kid. Liked my own space. Had my own little uh, conservatory out the back that nobody was allowed in, full of dinky toys. Created my own little garages and... Uh, Uh, streets out of shoeboxes and all that kind of scenario and kind of lived in my own dream world as a kid. Um, And when I kind of went to school for the first time, I realized I was different than other kids. I wasn't like everybody else. And I was always into different stuff. But one of the main separations of that was plain and simply as my brain didn't work the same way the other kids did. I, I, I'm massively dyslexic. So reading and writing it was immediate that I had, I had a problem. Now it was only immediate to me. It wasn't immediate to my family because I would say I was a good strategist and a ducker and diver and weaver and I just basically carved my way through the schooling system with charm, I think. Good old Irish charm. Mm. Uh, kind of making sure that I was not a troubled or troublesome kid to the point, but more clever and strategist. Mm -hmm. It's funny that that I'm
1: dyslexic as well, but I was always staring out the windows and shit and (laughs) more a visionary. But I believe that the most creative people are the ones who think outside the box. If you're not, some people aren't made to be reading books and staring at textbooks and learning their times table. And the most powerful men and people that's been on this planet have been kind of fucked up or dyslexic or some sort of pain. It's like you try and, it's like you find something else to do to say, okay, I'm, I'm not good at this. You think you're a bit of a loser, but I'm going to do this. And then you end up becoming Yeah, I think yeah, we're creatives. Yeah. You know,
0: we definitely are creatives and our minds kind of lend themselves to that a lot better as dyslexics. And I had a program years ago on Channel 5. And that program was um, basically whether or not I had dyslexia. Yeah, I watched so, it. It was good, man. R- thank you.
1: I've seen you were nervous as well at a lot of stages. Is that just because you were becoming vulnerable? Massively vulnerable. Yeah.
0: And what it was, it kind of regressed you, you. know? It regressed you back to those times, those times when you were a kid. You know, I went back into those school corridors where that was the, the walk of, of hell. Most days of my life, every morning I got up, I had to face that walk. And that's a lot of pressure for a kid, I think. You know, I've got two baby girls right now. Well, not so much babies. One's just gone into high school. Um, uh, so you know, and, and I and I've always feared, and you know, because you think about your kids, and you think, man, I hope they don't ever feel like how I felt walking through the school corridor, you know. So kind of to be to be taken back to those places of are they damaging places or are they places of growth? I don't know. Uh, more damaging. I don't think
1: the schooling system is as accurate as it should be. I think. Learning your times table and your history is great for some people, but mm. what about your creativity and individuality? Showing love, meditation, eating right, learning how to grow your own foods—I think stuff maybe like that. And other people might think you're crazy, but these are the tools and techniques, especially in things like lockdown. If supermarkets and stuff close, how the fuck is people going to survive? People don't know how to grow their own foods.
0: It's war zones, yeah. isn't it? You know, and that's basically mm. what it is. I mean, we had a good glimpse to it. We we had a good glimpse to, shop and trolleys around the block, around the block, around the other block, you know, for people queuing up to get some bread and milk. And and I think that was a small snippet into uh, the governing body and the world's governing body and how they are really in control. And I know we all get it, or they, I suppose they think they, we all get a bit big, too big for our boots at times, so they they kind of show us a little bit of a nah, let's, we're the ones in control here. Let's, yeah. let's show you what we can and can't do. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. I don't think it's any kind of conspiracy theory. I mean, look, there is, without a doubt, there's a, a disease out there called COVID. And that's fine. And it is kill, killing people. And sadly, and it's, it's, it's killing people in many more ways, not just catching the virus, of course, but in the mental health scenarios and in what it's causing on the ripple effects. Um, but they, I, I think that's a very thought, well thought out plan
1: Global government based Million percent It's all years in advance yeah. And people can call you crazy Or a conspiracy theorist But There is higher powers There that control the world And it's so easy Where people can be Controlled with fear And drilled fear And them so quick And so fast That people panic Now all these small stages Are getting put in place For the reason being Well We've just confirmed that There's another lockdown coming But It's scary to me How fast the population Can be manipulated yeah. The news The newspapers I don't read or watch any of that stuff. It's other people have to tell me uh-huh. because if your brain's like a sponge. It absorbs everything. They call the TV a program for a reason. It's programming your main mind into thinking the way the world does. Uh-huh. The world's actually a good place. There's a lot of good people in it and if you don't think so, then I believe become good yourself. Mm-hmm. It's just a weird place to be in right now but as long as you can keep your head above water and... I like to look at things differently. I like to question everything differently. I'm not a conspiracy theorist just because I watch certain things on YouTube doesn't make me a fucking expert because (laughs) they could be crazy. I've interviewed guys like David Dyke as well and some things I I believe, some things I don't, but he could be crazy. The people that's getting put stuff on the news could be crazy. I just question everything that they might be right, they might be wrong, but you know what? I'm not harming anyone. I'll just stay back and just, I'll do what's right for what my soul's telling me.
0: Yeah, I think, well, they're the tools of survival, aren't they? You know, taking a, a bit of everything, Knowing a bit of everything. And if you just kind of stay in one lane, then you're going to be brainwashed to one lane. Be it the right or wrong way, but you still have to, you have to know the outside uh, effect as well. Of, of You can't just be that home in, I don't think.
1: Yeah, you can go down the rabbit hole and stuff mm. as well. It's just, listen, but make your own assumptions, mm. whatever you hear. I think so. Yeah. So after the schooling and stuff, you struggled and went through, but then biggest opportunity of your life, going to boys' zone at 17.
0: Do you know, the mad thing is about Boyzone and me being in Boyzone is I, th- I wasn't even into music. <laughs> you know, I wasn't even into music. I was into music, but it was basically kind of hip-hop and reggae and that, that, was, that was what I, I kind of thrived on as a kid. Were you puffing um, weed or anything back then? No, way too innocent for that. I, like all my money went on petrol. Every cent I had went on my motorbike and fueling that machine up. Now, I kind of lived in leafy suburbia, so it wasn't just kind of cornfields. There was a lot of, when I say police chases and uh, naughtiness, it was more because no helmet, no tax, no insurance, just smoking the machine up and down the roads. And it was just fun. It was, uh, to me, 100%, it was innocent fun back then. And I, I didn't even drink till I was twenty. Two, twenty-three, something like that. Um, I was just mad on cars, mad on bikes, and every cent I had just went on kind of building machines. Like I got kicked out of school when I was fifteen, and for the simple fact of you know uh, what we sp- spoke about and being dyslexic, um, it, it wasn't it wasn't because I was a trouble guy and I was tr- making trouble. It was, I just didn't do anything. I couldn't do anything. So there was no point. I didn't even come into class. with Books or pens or pencils. I just came in because I had to attend as, as a register, and eventually the you know the principal just said, "Look, just you know we'd appreciate if you don't come back," is what he <laughs> said. You know, <laughs> That's basically what he uh-huh. said. If you don't come back, it was cool. And I was like, "All right, sound." So I asked my dad for a job. Uh, it was a hard time. Like I shit myself, like proper shit myself, asking me, "Oh man." Um, for a job, but he he luckily enough had his own workshop. He's, he built cars, built kind of hot rods, and he raced cars himself. So it was always in the blood, you know what I mean? And um, so the ideal kind of scenario for me was to to, to you know, in life take over family business. I had I had a a route to market in terms of who who I was going to be as a human. Um, and luckily, he was an amazing mechanic. Still is an amazing mechanic. I'm saying like he was in the past and He's still alive, um, but. Uh, what I learned from that man was, was blood, sweat, and tears. He raised six kids, you know, back in a time of, of, of hardship when money was hard to come by. I, you know, the stories I hear my dad talking about not eating food and just feeding the kids for a week, do you know what I mean? And stuff like that. So I, I grew up in a, in a pretty hard-working environment, family environment, yeah. that is. And when you went to work, you fucking went to work. There was no, like, rain, hail, sleet, snow, me bollocks, like, get the fuck mm-hmm. out of bed and go to work. And you, you really had to, you had to be in hospital before mm-hmm. you didn't go to work. So I, I on, a, on a kind of similar scenario to yourself, I think there's a, it's a certain um, amount of get up and go that's ingrained in you, uh, be, be that in an addictive sense of uh, uh, of your nature. I think uh, I'm a I'm a workaholic without a doubt. Probably I, not. I wouldn't say because of that, but I, I think it's it's inherited. Uh, views it's, it's visual views It's what you see Your parents do mm-hmm. I think a lot of our stuff Can be often Inherited lies um, You know From a young boy uh, Or girl Growing up And seeing mother and father In certain Turmoil Kind of situations Or family uh, Marriage situations and, and that's how they treat their women or their men and so there's a lot of visual and and, and lies that you see growing up that are, are parents responsible for no but it's that's how you grew and that's what you think until you decide oh shit there's a different world out there and i don't have to be that person i can be me yeah.
1: with the lucky land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's funny how you get labelled now where it's dyslexic or whatever it is and then you've kind of got that label shit. Is that what it is? But it's okay to understand what's right and what's wrong and mm. with you. You're trying to figure it out. Did you? I felt a bit like I feel you're at school because I was like, they're Better than me So I was always, always trying To make people laugh then Right So I couldn't yeah. fucking do anything So I was a class clown So Yeah yeah, I made people laugh I was good at making people laugh So that deflected that away That was fucking Not saying that I was stupid But I just couldn't do What the other people could do So I hung yeah. about The bad people just Deflected in a way That I was dumb basically But it's I, ca-
0: I kind of avoided that scenario Um Kind of Being class clown Because I I didn't want to stand out I did the opposite mm-hmm. Uh when I said I was charming, it I was more about greeting the teacher and being nice nice to them and kind of like, oh, I've seen Shane there. I want to ask him a question. Who's, who's you know, who's the belt? And that was my strategy. Oh, I became the, the best sportsman in that school. You know, if, if it was long jump, I was jumping the longest. If it was high jump, I'm jumping the high. I'm taking home the gold. Mm-hmm. That's what I am doing. I'm taking home the trophy for that school. And that's where I kind of concentrated on Just uh, being the high school jock If you want to call it You're not the quarterback Mm -hmm. um, The guy who's like You're doomed without him If he's not on your team You've had it And I kind of tried to Create that scenario (laughs) I'm I'm very Americanized In in all that I do actually I'm very Americanized I've always looked at America um, For the style uh, of person that I am And the music My own musical influences Like you're going back to U2, Cranberry, Sinead O'Connor, like rock, 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 rock. That's what Ireland is. It's rock renowned. And, you know, I was just a little hip hop kid in baggy pants rolling around, you know, with EPMD on my little boombox and stuff. Mm. And that was, that's why I was always different as a kid too. Um, And I I think when it came to the boy's own scenario and getting into one of the biggest opportunities in life, I just saw that as another avenue of, of, uh, of a door opening and, and, like, I knew I fuck all about music, you know? Like no <laughs> How time. many
1: people went for that? Was there additions or anything?
0: There was... It's a funny little scenario. Uh, and it kind of breaks down to myself and this other guy set up Boys On. It was the other guy's idea. He came to me and he said, look, do you want to be in a band? And I said, oh... <laughs> what <laughs> are you talking <laughs> about? <laughs> and he, he, says, he says, you know, you've got the right look and all that. And he says, have you ever seen them boys any reference take that and I was like yeah yeah because I've got five sisters mm-hmm. so I was like yeah goes on who they are and Bross and all them kind of boys there so I was like yeah yeah it goes yeah, a bit like that but an Irish version of it and I was like oh, alright then sounds sounds fair enough to me so hold on a sec <laughs> that's me <my> man now <laughs> <laughs> um, so I kind of said, I said, Roy, well, what do we have to do? And he goes, Well, we need a manager. You know, we need a manager. I said, all right, a manager, right? That sounds good. So, one of my oldest sisters, uh, Tara, she was in a stage school scenario kind of things. They were, they were all musical. My whole family's musical. Uh, one of my cousins is, is like world champion pipe drummers and the other's bagpipe. They're all mad musical. They had fiddle players and you name it. Um, and all my sisters are all singers and all yeah, dancers all in and Be-witched. all. Yeah, yeah. Bewitched. There's a couple of the girls. I think. Out of all my family, there's only, as in my immediate siblings, there's uh, one of us who didn't have a record deal, you know, and the black sheep the family, <laughs> <in those laughs> yeah, yeah, the clever one <laughs> in the family <laughs> went off to America. She did, um, and and we kind of when when it came to finance management, she she was uh, she said right, she was in those plays like you know like pantos and all that every year and all that. She goes, oh, there's uh, there's this guy called uh, Louis Walsh, and he at a time he was. Uh, big fish in a little pond Little old Ireland And Louis Walsh Obviously Louis Walsh That you see on X Factor now And all that kind of scenario Next to Mr. Kel. Um He used to look after Show bands in Ireland So uh, He was the legend Of the who you went to And the biggest guy He would have looked after At the time Was a guy called Johnny Logan And Johnny Logan was Eurovision Song Contest Winner twice for Ireland Or something like that So hero <laughs> Johnny Logan's the hero here You know what I'm saying So we got his name And we set up a little uh, A little A um, little meeting with him to, to kind of give him the idea of this Irish boy band. But I've got to go to my dad now. You know, I've got to go to my dad and say I need some time off work, like. And that doesn't bode well with my dad, you mm. know. And family business and all that. But he was amazing. And, and I, I love my dad for this. I love my mum and dad. They're very out there in terms of there was no kind of... Uh, Barriers set as for us as kids. Whatever we wanted to do, they were like, "You go and do that." So I've got a, a, a you know, incredible. Kind of, when I look back and think, my, my mom and dad were awesome, absolutely awesome. And I just say to my dad, you know, he's, I said, "Dad, I need the I need the morning off work," and he's like, "All right, son." He says, "What's What's that for?" You know. I said, "Well, I said, well, I'm going to meet a manager," and he says, "Do you work for me?" He says, yeah. And he goes, well, wh- 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 who's the manager? I said, well, he said, I want to be in a band. <laughs> 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 he was as steel faced as you. And he was like, I want to be in a band, son? I said, Yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, Tell me something, he says, son. He says, uh, What do you play? I said, No, what do you mean? He goes, Like, instrument, what do you play? I said, I don't play anything. And he goes, Right. He says, well, Tell me something, son. He says, Do you sing? I went, no, oh, not really. And he goes, right. Right. She said, So what are you going to do in this band? I said, I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> <laughs> and he, just, he goes, for fuck's sake, why be back by two o'clock? <laughs> so he could have kicked me in the hole. Mm-hmm. Kicked me in the hole and said, get into that garage there and stop your messing. But he didn't. He did
1: have a fair point though. If you never, he had yeah. the best
0: point. That, like if you kicked me in the hole, I went, yeah, i get you that. <laughs> it's one of those things. And, and he did. not and, and off me and this fellow went, and we met Louis Walsh and we told him the idea of we want to make this Irish take that. and They were the biggest boys at the time. And uh, Louis Walsh pulled out, just, he had a silver briefcase and he pulled out all this filofax stuff and he was showing us the schedules of all these other bands. And he said, and I, I say fair play to Louis Walsh, you know, he's, he's actually a really good man. He says, lads, I'll make you the sun, the moon and the stars. And we believed him. And he fucking did. Yeah. He fucking did, like. <laughs> and from that process, as you see in auditions, early stages of auditions, uh, me, this other guy, uh, Louis Walsh, and another couple of people sat behind a desk, and all the other boys came in on auditions. So I, I, seen Ronan Keaton come in on audition and Duffy and uh, Mick and Steele and they all came out. And I had not fucking I what I was doing. I was just <laughs> sat behind a desk, uh, like gone. He's isn't he? you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And it was a bit like it was, it was a. Uh, it was it was just a chance, a chance. Uh, I, I read a book or an autobiography many years back called The Chancer. And in that, was just explains my life and just going for it, like, just taking the chance and and just hoping for the best. Fake it until you make it. it yeah, fake it until you make it, you know? And, and, I, and I think there's just a lot to be said for going, ah, fuck it, I'll get it done. <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, I mean?
1: uh, fair play, man. One of the biggest boy bands in British history. Over like, 25 million... <laughs> Single soul. That's that it is phenomenal. Uh, my mum, my sister, and that are massive fans of Boys on. I liked them myself. You know what I mean? We don't like to admit that shit, do you? Well, that's, <laughs> I, you know what?
0: I, I understand. Like I, I remember years ago. Uh, I under, It's a funny thing growing up in a boy band. 17, 18, 19 years old, and you do get the female attention, and the lads just want to fucking, you just want to roll. That's that. All they want to do is fight, and 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 there was a lot of fighting in the early days of Boys on, but there was a lot of understanding too. I never threw the first blow, ever. Because I, I get why that fella there has a problem with me. I fucking get it. I understand it. Because if my board is chatting about some other geyser, I'm going to have a problem. Of course I am. So I always understood the other man's pain, if that makes sense. The other man's pain that his board was into. And it was, I was more apologetic than any. Said, oh, sorry about that, mate. You know what I mean? I, I'll tell you real quick about you know, one, of the, one of the most horrible <laughs> things that ever happened to me. And, and I, it never left me, and, and it's horrible things like this, but it's, it's very innocent. But uh, I was in, uh, travelling about, it would have been a race weekend, actually, uh, back in early 90s, and unusual in, in hotels, there's weddings and weekends, and that's the, that's, that's the buzz. And right enough, I ended up meeting the, the, the bride, and she came out for the pictures and all that kind of shit. And later on in the night, I was just having a, a few quiet points with, with the team, and, and the groom, the husband, came up, and you know what he said, and, and it, it was horrible. He, he says, he says thanks very fucking much, he said, for ruining my wedding night. You know what I mean? Meaning, like, his wife was kind of, like, mad about that, and all of a sudden he's, he felt inferior at that point. But I understood him, you know. I understood him, and, and, I, and I genuinely felt like I can't like I felt oh man, I'm like I'm I'm so sorry it's not lane. my intention yeah. like, you know what I mean yeah, fuck them. man no, I'm a, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm soft like that like I am not I'm not just hardened and out there yeah. I'm not bullish I, I I genuinely have a heart yeah. and and, you know, it, it, it did affect me. I'll never forget it for sure. And any time I ever see any fucking wedding, I am on my head, torn, <laughs> torn, and I'm gone. Yeah. Even if they were like, oh, please, could I'm like, fucking gone. Yeah. I, just never, I just never want to do that but again. you
1: were up as kind of the, the bad boy of the group, and how did you get that reputation then? Do you
0: know what? I, I think I got that, the bad boy of boys on or because I th- as, my, as my visuals, okay, it probably started as a visual, um... When we got into the band and the band was up and running, and our first UK record, say, uh, 1994, into smash hits on the road on the tour, we were all we had a particular suit look and all that, and that, that's what the stylist at the time. So was. I wasn't going against record company in that as a stylist. But into kind of 95, I was like, hold on a minute, I don't particularly like what I'm wearing. So let me have a let me have a <laughs> little character readjustment here. At this point, I was. I was sturdy. I was in the band. There was no like, you know, like right, you're out. You know what I mean, kind of thing. We we, were fixed. So I thought, right, let me undo the the kind of clean cut, clean cut, and just go back to me, back to me for who I was, being different. Not necessarily being a bad boy, because like I said, I'm not, I'm not a bad guy uh, in that scenario. But I am a bit rough around the edges for sure. And I just, I battle authority. I like to do my own thing, and I like to be me. And that said, I ended up just kind of going a little bit more hip hop, and a little bit back into who I was as a kid. Um, and then I think the, the biggest one was just, I think I kind of got frustrated within the, the music industry. And the frustration of that comes from, you're in a magical place in the first place, what people think that is. So you are in a dream world. Like, Being an artist, being a musician, being at the top of your game and selling out arenas, selling out thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of fucking tickets. Um, You know, that's a fucking dream for many, many people. And I suppose I had a certain amount of, it's called something, I don't know what the fuck it's called, but when you're in a place where you think you shouldn't be, I don't know if there's a word for it, Um, but I didn't deserve it. You know, I didn't. I wasn't singing and writing songs and playing guitars all my fucking life to now step out into arenas like I'm this artist. I'm just in there going, oh, "Shit, man, this is mad." You know what I mean? And and I, and I think that kind of maybe took its toll a little bit of, oh, you know. And, and one of the things for my character change too was a lot of the TV shows we were doing at the time, uh, your live and kickins and your GMTVs and all that kind of stuff. That came with certain amount of. Uh, performances, now, and I don't just mean musically, I mean, on, they would ask you to, to read out certain things, all auto cue, all this, all that, and I very quickly started to slip to the back of the group, when, when it came to that, because I couldn't read any of that shit, I couldn't do any of those intros, next coming up is blah, 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 because all cue uh, stuff, uh, for those who don't know what autocue is, uh, when you're watching, uh, Philip and Holly, on this morning, and stuff like that, like, that, when they're looking straight down the barrel, of that camera, uh, there's a big screen in front of them that has all the written words that scrolls across but obviously you can't see it uh, in the way that it's all reflected so that's what AutoQ is so you, you think they're amazing at their jobs which they are don't get me wrong but uh, you know it's all written there right yeah. in front of them and everything comes out of their mind it's not like they went and learned a script it's mm. not like that so I, I kind of slipped back into the background that what the boys and uh, let them all go to the front but then that kind of came with a little bit of darkness to be fair it came with a little bit of mystery and a bit of mysterious kind of like, why is this guy always in the background? But then I played on that. I started to play on that kind of mystery and that darkness and become very unpredictable. And that was just my way of expression. And the visuals, the tattoos, all that kind of thing started to just build in my character and who I was. The gold, you know, (laughs) whatever I was wearing at the time, it was, that was me talking. It was me talking without having to talk. And I felt comfortable there, though. I felt comfortable because people were afraid to approach me. And if you didn't approach me, then I couldn't get anything wrong, right?
1: Yeah. Is that why you've done it, though? Yeah. Like, going back to your youth when you were kind of the recluse, kind of in the back room yourself. How does that work, then, from someone who wouldn't read a book out in school to then... Performing in front of 20,000 people. That's just totally
0: night and day, isn't it? It's night and day, but I was always a performer. Yeah, See, that's the difference.
1: So you acted your way through it?
0: I acted my way through mm-hmm. the whole thing, the same as I did in school. <laughs> always a performer. <laughs> so, yeah. And that made me that made me really be into entertainment then because mm-hmm. it wasn't about the the, the the singing and the songwriting and the studio. I loved studio, actually. I loved going in and recording songs, but I'm not a writer for obvious reasons. Pen to paper doesn't work. Um, So I just ended up being labeled as a bad boy because i just step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chobacasino.com Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I probably decided to say fuck off this and fuck off that on on telly as well, on live TV, I got banned from Irish light. The reason why a lot of live Irish television doesn't go on anymore is because of me. And things I did You know <laughs> Like mad little yeah. things That I started to happen Public enemy number one Of Ireland At one point You know um, But That's not just Because of choice I think that's obviously Because of the industry We lived in The industry we live in Look You, you, you know it's drug filled It's alcohol filled It's pressure filled It's depression filled It's, it's suicide filled it's, it's a lot of things And that was that would have been Starting going Into the late 90s And that was Starting to Creep into the world we were in my world anyway that we were living in um I started to go to the party, started to booze started to to, to stay out late started to kind of find a, a crutch i suppose a crutch within the industry and the mad thing is it's you are trying to you are trying to hide and drown out your own brain the sounds of of, of what you don't want to be involved in anymore who you are anymore there was no pattern, there was no home life, there was no, you would just travel the world, you travel the world uh, most days, I mean, one year we were on a plane, I think it was 111 flights one year, and you know, that's, that's some crazy shit, crazy, crazy shit, and and they, the record company, they just, they just kept going, they just kept churning it out, and it was fine at the time, we were young, we were kids, we were making a, a product called Boison, um, but in backstage <laughs> in the dark rooms of the mind. That's where everything just started to break down. And, and, and I think it's more, it's not just hard work led. It's also, it is industry led. It's spirit led. Like the industry is full of, of demon and spirit and dark fucking shit. I know that. I've been through it. I'm not just kind of saying willy nilly that it's, it's, it's kind of full moon and werewolves. No, it's fucking witchcraft and, and fucking dark demonic shit. Yeah.
1: How was that then for such a young age to then get front of that limelight? Was there any people who took you under their wing and tried to like channel you down a, and understand the game? There it is, because it's just a big game. You're just a pawn through somebody else's, whoever's got the business or whoever you're working for. You're just up on until you, your record sales go down, and then you're kind of banned. Was there anybody to take you aside and say, "Look, watch out for this, or stay away from drink or drugs"? Or was it just a case of we're just going to burn you into the ground until we can get what we can get?
0: I'm going to say it was burning you to the ground, without a doubt, burning you to the ground. And we split up in year 2000, early 2000. Uh, we had flown to uh, the US. We flew to uh, to New York uh, to meet record company out there. Uh, we, as you do, as pop stars, you flew on Concord <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Flew on Concord to New York. Went at a meeting. We weren't in for less than 24 hours. Had a meeting, and we were a priority act for the U.S. Uh, going forward that year. And I think at one point we just all had a, a massive fucking bust up, and I mean, not fisticuffs, but just we came to the end of our tether. Came to the end of our tether, and we yeah. said, right, that's it. We, we had enough. We had, and rightfully so. I mean, I was in a mad spiral downwards anyway. So the best thing that ever happened that we didn't head into the US and, and continue that journey, we were fucked. You were
1: only, what, 23, 24 as well? Still young? I oh,
0: would have been may, maybe that, yeah. Maybe that. So were you drinking 24.
1: drugs and stuff at that time? Was that all the, uh, to numb the... Boozing? We're mad uh,
0: boozers. All us boys on Irish boys were... Booze based Where I think It's different in the UK culture And maybe world culture But I never came from A drug background Never did And Not it's, It just never took my fancy I love a gargle and, <laughs> and I love a I love a party I love a booze I love kind of I loved getting fucked up I love drinking from 11am in the morning Till What o'clock like Every day Every day Escapism as, as as you say You know I I think Depression was probably mad heavy at that time. And Boyzone was over. And there was like no car outside to pick me up to go anywhere. That had been like every day of my life for the last seven, eight years. And it was just like, well, there you go. What do you want to do with your life? And fuck me, I played. I I think I sat indoors for weeks after weeks after weeks. I bought like a, a PlayStation or something. I'm not even a gamer, but I bought a PlayStation for something to do. And I remember at one point, <laughs> I, ne- I didn't come out of the house for like a month. And I finished this game called Resident Evil. And when I finished it, I picked it all up and fucked it in the bin. I said, I'm never getting a game console ever again. And I think that's part of the addiction. Uh, I have an addictive spirit, of course, um, to, to drive, to be the best, to, to move, uh, to get something and, and create the best out of that something. That's an, addic- add- an addictive spirit, I think. Um, but be it alcohol, be it TV shows, be it music, be it, like, you know, if you're going to do it, do it fucking right. Did you get addicted to the limelight and the success as well? No, I don't think I got addicted to the limelight or success. Success, yes, but not the limelight in terms of, hey, look at me. Um, I went the opposite way, back to who I was as a kid, a recluse. Uh, it wasn't about look at me whatsoever. Um, and then I kind of... Started to come out of that with race cars. Race cars was like, where do you feel that? Where do you feel that mad buzz? Where do you feel standing on stage and 100,000 people and that the energy that you get from that? How, how do you possibly top that up? That's a fairytale world. Adrenaline. Adrenaline, mad adrenaline. That's like, it's incredible. How do you get that if, you, if you've known that for so long? And then is that something you crave? But I know I, I found it through race cars. I found it through putting a helmet on and putting yourself. On life's edge, I suppose, mm-hmm. and, and and kind of uh, the adrenaline junkie, yeah, extreme, extreme stuff. Uh, but uh, extreme back in the day, from bungee jumps to I don't know, base jumps to race cars to you know all that kind of thing that, that just gets your <laughs> your blood flowing. Yeah. Um, so you had
1: all that buzz, all that adrenaline, mm. all that tension. But again, we're, as human beings, we're constantly searching. We just try to figure it out. When you look back, when you look back at it all, do you think would you do it again?
0: Hell yeah. Because
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it was seven years, isn't that long? You could have carried on for another five years, 10 years, whatever.
0: It's not long in a lifespan, but it's crazy long in that kind of torturous place. Yeah. It's fucking torturous. In what way? It's torturous mentally. It's, it's torturous physically. It's torturous, like the, your kind of world travel and your time zones that you're constantly flipping between when you're meant to be sleeping and meant to be on stage, meant to be on stage, meant to be sleeping. And it's, it's not like you got a, a week's rest between. No, you're night after night, after day, after night, after TV show, after radio, after concert. And what you, you know, one of the ways I kind of ever try and explain it to someone is when, you, when you're going on holiday, to get to that flipping airport, to start packing your bags, to say, st- to what are you going to bring, what are you going to do, how are you going to bring it? You put, pack the suitcase, you wait for the taxi, the taxi's flipping late, you get to the airport, the queues for the goddamn check in is long, then the queues for the, the security is long, and then you get on the plane and you sit there for fucking five hours scratching your hole, doing nothing with it, or shit dinner. Then you get to the other side and the bus is late, and eventually, eventually, on your holiday, eventually you get to your apartment. And if that's a nice place to be, then you relax for two weeks and you have a great time. Well, we do all that shit journey fucking every day. So you're fucking stressed out, you're not, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Stressed out, you're not. And it, it just, it takes its toll on you. It's not, it's not you're going on holiday. It's just mad work after work after work every day. Yeah.
1: Bit. So once you broke up, once that came to an end, did your life get worse? Did you have more depression because you, you had nothing to fill your your life like it was in a big void?
0: Yeah, I think so. I, I think... I think definitely I went down down way, way more into a depression or a depressive state. Um did
1: anybody see this? Or did you the actor <clears throat> come back in and kinda mask no,
0: it? Nobody saw that. Uh, I, f- I mean, yes, I know. I mean I was lucky enough to have my own piece of land. Once the gates closed, you're behind them gates, you know? And I think I just had to work it out for myself. And my family are amazing people, but I pushed them away. I didn't, have, I didn't want to talk to anyone. I didn't, want to, 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 I didn't want help. I wasn't looking for help. I didn't think I needed help. Let's start there first. I actually didn't think there was anything wrong with me. I just didn't want to fucking see a, a soul in life. Just everyone leave me the fuck alone. And looking back, of course, I was depressed as fuck. <laughs> you know, like, like, oh my God. I, I, it was, it's nigh on suicidal, isn't it? You know, it's, you're, you're drinking yourself to death, in, into, you know, just self, self, self-harm, self-destruct. And all you're trying to do is numb, numb what? Numb the the lack of understanding of what the fuck I'm meant to do, you know? Yeah. I don't know what I'm meant to do. Uh, so what am I meant to do, and um, what do I, and I think slowly what I started to I kind of go back to the simple life, and a simple life meaning a pattern. Um, not necessarily a schedule, but getting back into one. I remember as like being a kid, you know, you came home and you watched uh, Home and Away and, and your little program, and you started just at three o'clock, you know, you home, you eat your pizza and you're watching Home and Away all the shit. And I started to get into a little routine and a pattern on little programs on telly. And I started to go, oh, I like that. Oh, I like that. And, and I've never, you didn't have Netflix like we do now and your laptop and when you're traveling the world. You just had yourself and your own thoughts. So you didn't know what programs were out there or what the TV shows were on, whatever the rest of the world was to our country, the UK was talking about. Um, and I started to get into that Little, ah, oh, this is good And then you can have Then you can conversate with someone Like a lot, most people's lives Are conversated around Their daily life You can't conversate with anyone With the fucking life we live Unless you are conversating With the same kind of person And that Because you're, you're, you're bored to, You're bored out of your fucking mind Answering the same questions That you answer all the time That other people want to ask you About the life you live Being a pop star So you just want normal conversation And <laughs> so eventually you find that And then eventually You kind of see a light or a rhyme and a reason. But I, I, th- I think in about l- late 01, 02, I started to look at music projects again, but on a, on a kind of more love projects, not necessarily looking to release, but just making music for what that is, um, more to what I was into. And one of my best friends from back in the day and to is now, uh, a guy called Ben Afedo. He was a singer on Fats and Smalls. And he he himself, uh, he, he was always one of the guys I looked up to within the industry. I don't have many industry friends, I'm not really interested in industry friends. Uh, but for some reason, I had a, a great connection with this guy, Ben. And over the years, we've always kind of, we hung out in the the London scene, the hip-hop scene. And to kind of, as a pop band, a pop act, uh, Boys on. I always found myself uh, going back to the music I love, of course. And that's going and, and back in the day, back in London, in the kind of late 90s and early 90s, uh, you know, hip-hop was underground. It's not like, as we know it today, it's the forefront of the musical charts. It was proper grimy, grimy places, maybe two, three you could go to uh, within London. And that's where me and Benny always found ourselves, another pal of mine called Abs uh, from Five and another guy called Damien Bowers, amongst many, which are doing a music project right now, called Boys on Block, but... That's that. They were coming out of my crew From back in the day Um And He was one of the guys When I started to kind of Look at music again uh, He he started to bring me out of My depression From the way he was as a person His General walk of life I fucking had everything I had everything I had the million pounds I had the Porsches, Ferraris, Lambos Fucking champagne and caviar For everyone You know what I mean But this guy And I was depressed as fuck And this guy He was just Regular man. I mean, he had a big hit record, Fast and Small's massive, massive band. But you know, still working his way up in the music. People think you, you make you make a, a number one record, and that's it. You got you got your mansion. It's not like that. It's fucking hard graft. And he was still making his way through life. But he is his mind, his body, his soul, his attitude. He had it all. And I just wanted to know why. Why was he so flipping happy? And I wasn't. <laughs> so I saw, you know, I, I I approached his manner, I approached his him as a being. And the way he started to speak to me was it was biblical, I'm not gonna lie, it was a biblical way of speaking in parodies, in terms of just lines from the Bible, stories from the Bible, and just breaking them down to me and what they mean to me in today's living. And the more I, I I heard him speak, the more he spoke to me, the more the more. I went to the light, if you want to call it, uh, is the more I, uh, my belly started to get fed. I started to fill a void of, of loneliness and that depression started to be, started to lift, I suppose, because I started to find joy in the word and the word was it, was, it was biblical words. It was the word of Christ. And the more music projects we did, the longer we stayed friends and in other bands and doing stuff is the more I could be with this guy And to to take me out of a dark place I knew the dark Like I knew the dark well I was involved in Certain demonic things Over my late 90s into early 90s So I I know the fucking dark side So it was just plain and simple for me If I know the dark Then there has to be a light And I followed it I followed the light And life changed dramatically Absolutely dramatically When it came to My love of Christ so you
1: focused all your energy on someone else, higher power, cries, mm-hmm. whatever. People look at it differently. So you believe that saved your life?
0: Definitely, one hundred percent.
1: How old were you?
0: Jesus, now it was oh, late two into three So it was just the early 30s. Yeah, uh, probably not old. I don't know. I do the math. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, but um, I'm not too sure how old it was. Um, but I, I said, I, I my wife now. The, I met her in late. Uh, was it late, 2 I'd known her for a couple of years in the industry. Um, but we got together in kind of early 03, And she... Uh, her dad was a bishop. And her brother was the pastor of a church because uh, dad had passed away at that point. Um, and the more we were together... and was she, She's the same. She was born again Christian. And it was the more light I was fed from her. is the more I wanted to know more again. And I started to go to a Bible class, a Bible study on a Wednesday night. And it was just amazing. I mean, the food I was given was amazing. I don't just mean the rice and peas and dumplings. Yeah. I'm talking about a spiritual food. Like it was, it was just to, the sweetest taste I've ever tasted in my life. You know, the, 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 the want for it, the hunger for it, week after week was just incredible. I was excited. I hadn't been that excited for years. Yeah. Excited to hear the word Excited to be filled Excited to get that knowledge Excited to grow Excited just to Get out of the fucking dark shit And That's really where my, my change came from
1: Yeah to find some purpose again mm. it's, it's scary man Being in a dark place And drinking And not having any drive To get up in the morning And mm. hiding from your pain And masking it Whether it's Success Or fucking hookers Or coke Or alcohol Is to mask it But it takes True inner strength to then find a purpose, mm-hmm. whether that's turning to Christ, whether that's just trying to become a better person, whether that's taking control of your addictions, whether that's admitting it. When you obviously went into your depression, you were too proud to say anybody you were struggling. Because as men back then, we don't understand. We, we, we're totally suppressed with feelings and emotions. It's hard to open up because people go, oh, shut up, you fucking mm. this or that. It's, now I, I realise that speaking out is your chance of healing it's your chance of growing as an individual and understanding that we're all a little fucked up mm-hmm. we've all got a little bit of misery no matter if you're a pastor or no matter if you're a born again Christian we're still a bit fucked up we're still a bit loopy but whatever you're focusing on as long as you're doing the right thing as long as you're not harming anyone then do whatever you want but it is a, it's a weird time for everybody but you got out of it so respect are you still working progress today are you still f- battle 100% do you think?
0: oh, you're never a fucking golden child. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know what um, I mean? Like, without a doubt, I wake up with bad days, man. I'm, you know, I still battle with a lot of demons. Um, a lot of demons, for sure. And they they come from many different <laughs> areas, I suppose. But uh, I, I think it's it's a journey. Life, of course, is a fucking journey. But it's it's full of the hills and valleys. And if you're just on top of that hill all the time, then uh, I don't know who the fuck you are, but well done. Yeah. Um, but if you're, if you're at the bottom of the valley, you can climb up, you can get out, you can have a great fucking day. And you can slip back down. Of course you can. Go fast. You can slip yeah. back down. And, and I think the more we learn about our, horm- our hormonal selves as men and women, uh, you know, you said rightly there about Growing up as a kid, you're meant to suppress those feelings or those emotions. Or you're meant to be a man, aren't you? You're meant to be a, a boy. You're meant to be fucking solid. You're not meant to cry about shit. And I think the more we're allowed to talk about that, it's it's nice. It's fucking nice. Yeah. It's nice to be able to to kind of unload or to to kind of tell somebody your problems and it to show you an avenue an avenue or a way out of them mentally. That is. And but some days I'm you know. I've kind of recently gone into, uh, I call him my shrink, uh, since maybe just me, I just when lockdown happened. I started kind of shrink sessions. And again, just americanized Americanize things because that's how I think. Um, but some days I don't want to talk to him. You know, some days I don't want to fucking speak. And some days I don't want to say shit I don't want to say. And some days I cannot wait to talk to them, man. Some days I need to talk to the guy. And some days I come off the end of that phone going, oh, thank God. Thank God I fucking spoke to him. Because your, your, your brain is your fucking brain. Like, it doesn't matter. When you wake up in the morning, and I think we, we, we spend too much time looking around us for who, who you know everybody else and what they're thinking and what's on the telly and what's that. When you wake up in the morning and open your eyes, you are you. Nobody else is you. You're fucking you. And how you think today... Is what's going to make you you And how you act today Is going to make Your life's scenarios and situations And if you can control them And as you said rightly Try and do what's right Then things are more than likely Going to be alright If you're waking up With no fucks given And ready to give the world No fucks given Then there's a lot of shit Can come your way So I think it's important To be you And be strong for you it's difficult because
1: now we've got social media. The, mo- the first hour you wake up in the morning is your most creative. Same as the last hour you go to sleep. It's the most creative where you're, when you're sending your frequencies out, where you will attract that. So if you're waking up in the morning, flicking through your phone, can't be asking up, looking at other people, thinking that they're living their life. You're sending out those signals that your life's inadequate. You don't feel good enough. Where mm-hmm. and that's exactly what you're going to feel. So if you have a negative thought, or if you have an insecure thought, what you're going to do? you want to it automatically if you're insecure. And if you do that consistently every morning every morning you're going to follow those patterns and it is difficult the changes that you've made the changes that myself has made but I still fucking battle Mm. every day is a struggle and I say okay I need to get up today because if I can lie in my bed Saturday, Sunday seem to be my lazy times if I have if I eat a bit of bread or a baguette (laughs) I will eat for two or three days after that so it's like crack to me now so I need to make sure that those two days don't turn into five
0: days yeah, five man. weeks and months and so on and so on but but you have to be fair to yourself too like you have to understand that you need a break too ever human you have to be, yeah you know and if it takes three days and you need three days then fucking take it too mm-hmm. like sometimes the mind will like uh, one of my biggest problems I've had in life and, and it, it continues is jumping from one mind set to another jumping from the shoe company I own to the car program I'm making, to the, the music I'm trying to record, to the gym that's about to be closed on me, to the, the, the bar I'm opening, to, you know, I've got a million fucking heads. And there is times where I can't deal with two different things in one day. And there's times I can deal with five of them in one day. I can go flip, flip, flip. Or some days I try and do two and I fucking crash out. Like my brain yeah. fucking crashes out. And I've got to
1: go home. Why do you think you do so many things? Because I work like fuck because reason being I don't like sitting with my own thoughts because when I sit with my own thoughts I become dangerous mm-hmm. and I don't like that so I keep busy constant up at six in the morning driving to Leeds Liverpool, Manchester and back up the road I can get asleep I'm tired but when I sit myself my method my madness kicks in and I start thinking crazy shit get a drink get a bit of coke fuck it because when you start doing well as well, you've got self-sabotage yeah. You just want to rip the whole ceiling down because with success becomes more pressure. Mm-hmm. So it's it's difficult that I've got to write, wait a minute, I've got to find balance, see my kids, have fun, climb a mountain, do whatever the fuck I've got to do naturally, everything within, keep learning, keep educating. There's a man like who I listen to quite a lot and he always says that knowledge is power, uh-huh. which it is, just educate yourself, unwire your brain. You can change the way you think and feel, but... It's scary to slow down. Is do you find that yourself that you work too much because it's your method of thoughts might kick in the negative ones?
0: Yeah, there's a form of escapism ex- in that too, of course there is. And but it's good, I mean, what you're saying there is exactly right. And but we're also saying there is you know yourself very well. If you didn't know that about yourself, you're in a fucking worse place for sure. It's it, the fact that you know that shit, my head will kick in if I'm not doing something that's taking care of yourself too. You know, you're still looking after you by going out to work and making sure you're busy. And there's certainly nothing wrong with that. Okay, can it, get, it can get excessive, but there are tools and ways and books and people and out there who can help you yeah. uh, undo those crazy thoughts. The more, the more they spark in theirs, the more you hone on them, the more ho- you hone in on them is the fucking more mighty you get. And I, I've been through those scenarios. I still go through those scenarios. Um but rightly I will find ways and means and ways to, to keep that mind occupied and, and methods then yeah. to try and overcome them when it when it happens.
1: Do you think though we can search too much? Yes. Constantly reading, constantly searching, yeah. constantly want to improve, constantly wanting to be the biggest podcast, but
0: again I question it, what the fuck when you break it all down, what the fuck does it actually mean? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Well do you know what for you I think it means a lot. More than uh, just a simple way of of, of a podcast you 're out there delving into people's stories and lives and which without a doubt and you 'll never know yourself ever know i 'm sure you get kind of dms and stuff but you'll never know how much this stuff helps people and that's in it that in itself is 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 such an amazing uh, it's an amazing thing you're doing because you're putting yourself to a position of traveling the world and exposing many uh, of, of your, not weaknesses, but the, your trouble times, yourself, and exposing the fact that you're human, great, and then putting yourself under a lot of pressure. But there's a lot of respect. The reason why your, your podcasts are, are so, uh, 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 they're, they're going through the roof and you're getting so many hits on them because people are fed from them and you're feeding a lot of people, mentally feeding a lot of people, and people are listening to the stories of the others. And they're like, fuck, I know what it is to be feeling like that. And if you didn't do that, then, you, may, you know, that, 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 it'll pass that person by. We're talking about mental health. We're talking about getting help. We're talking about shrinks. We're talking about, you know, reaching out. We're talking about being vulnerable. And if you don't know you're allowed to be vulnerable, then you'll, you'll never come out the other side. So you're, what you're doing is quite an amazing thing. Yeah, uh, we've just got to keep learning. People
1: watching your story, they'll probably just think, successful boy band, he's done many things, he's a successful guy, but not understand that you actually struggle in battle mm-hmm. to this day. It's if wonderful. not, your problems will probably be 100 times worse than maybe the average person who works 95 because of
0: their attention as well. Attention brings misery. So it does. It really does. A lot of people don't quite understand. And well, look, I think it's probably fair to say if you never understood why famous people got fucked up in the head, Uh, because of the attention and scenarios or the bad things said about them or uh, being affected by what things are said is look at our kids today. They're all in the famous people now. They're all on the the social medias and they're all coming home affected by that post. And it used to be just us because we were on your TV screens. Now everybody's got a TV screen in their fucking hand and they're allowed to be on it. And the more you put yourself on it is the more you open yourself up to the world and for people to have an opinion. And if you're anyway particularly vulnerable, that opinion's going to hurt you.
1: Yeah, it's difficult, like you say. There, it's we're constantly looking at screens. Words words do sting. They do hurt you, no matter what you're. If you're reading that in your mind, then you, you a lot of people, yeah. potentially believe it. And the figures are there since social media's been about. There's been a sixty percent rise in male suicide. Uh-huh. And people say be a man, but really, when you think about it, men are weaker than women. Men are the ones who are suicide rates going through the roof so there's right. obviously some chemical imbalance or whatever it is that's pushing men mm. over the edge and that is it's scary but yeah fair play so when you got yourself out the light how were you feeling then in 2000s 2005s and so on you in your driving
0: yeah I thought I had a good grasp on life to be honest I thought I'd, I fucking got this you defeated hell. it you're oh, cured I fucking, I've got this <laughs> that's time. the worst time I am yeah, the golden yeah. child you know I got this mm. and me and the boys on boys we got back together in 07 uh, on into a, a kind of forced reunion back for that into 08 and stuff. And, you know, it, it felt amazing. You know, it felt fucking great. Yeah. It was like, yeah, man. And then I soon realized that the industry is the flipping industry. As soon as I stepped back into those fucking shoes of that guy I left way back when, oh my God. It, it, it's this it, again, like I said, it's spiritual. You go back into a behavior. That you once knew So it's like I guess it's like Conquering An evil Be it Okay let's call it a drink Let's go straight to the pub Conquering that evil And going I got this And then going on a flipping stag do Into the fucking strip clubs And into the bars And in with the boys going Yeah fucking Yeah fucking And all of a sudden Yo shit I don't got this I don't fucking got this at all and before you know it, you're back on the booze and you're back on whatever the hell you're doing. And I, and I think, but the, the, the fucking the train was, it was already left the station, man. I was on it again. I was <laughs> on it. The tickets were sold. Yeah. I'm going on tour. And then, yeah, it creeped back in. It cre- that whole behavior creeped back in. The whole kind of dark side creeped back in. And, you know, we've been, I suppose, on and off tour since '08. Um, and in 09, like probably the hardest tour we ever did and it was '09 without a fucking shadow of a doubt. Um, we were making uh, our album, was, it's called Brother. And the Brother album was, uh, it's called Brother because one of our pals, Stephen Gately, he died. So he was 33 and uh, yeah, he, he pretty much, you know, we all got the call to say he'd passed. And we were in the studio, we were making the album and we were, that was just like a fucking... It was it was quite a surreal time. I don't think I've ever really got to the point of understanding it, of course. but We never understand death. Of course we don't. It's not for us to understand, really. It's just for us to either grieve, accept, or, you know, live with it, whatever the case you want to be. It doesn't matter who you lose, your mother, your father, your, your sister, brothers, daughters. You know, when you love somebody and they, they're gone, it's they are gone. Like, that's, genuinely, that's it. Like, that, that's game over. And it's up to all of us to to make uh, life and them roads of how we're going to live. But there's no right time for that to go. It's not like, I, if I only had another 10 years, then I'd be happy if they were gone. You're never going to be happy. You really are never going to be happy. Like, ah, well, that was okay. Ah, I had enough of her anyway. You know you know what I'm saying? It's, when you love and you, you lose, uh, you just have to learn to deal with that shit. And me and the boys, you know, we, we went on we, we completed the album. We were very unsure about that. But we did. We said we'd do it in honor of Steel Passing. And then we went on tour. Fuck me, that was that was bad. Like we thought I think we all I thought like, maybe I shouldn't speak for the rest of the boys as such. One of the weird things about any any of interviews that we do um, that I've learned of me and the boys is we all have very different takes on our journey in Boys On. It is like you know people talk about the the books of the Bible or uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John being uh, contradicting each other and what they're saying. And oh, well, he's saying that, he's saying that. Well, how could it be true? And it's pretty much in boyzone is the same. You know, we we all have a different view. I remember shit very different than they remember. But uh, you know, we all lived that. We were all there at that moment. And I think for me, going on tour was was like I thought it was it was where we were best at. But it it wasn't. It was fucking clear as day that shit, this was so was. hard. Standing on stage as four instead of five, looking where my brother always was and just not there, that was mad shit. Like, And that was another mad spiral down, I think. Yeah. That particular tour, mad spiral down, mad boozed up tour. Fuck me, yeah. I, thought I was boozed up for months yeah. and months. Again, escaping that feeling. Escaping that that fucking that torture so that hurt or that pain, just trying to drown it out as much as possible. Yeah, it's
1: it's weird that if you're so low, so depressed or vulnerable, you probably thought going back on to have been your medicine, not realising it's probably been your poison, making you worse, making 100%. you a spiral. Because I know when Stephen passed, God rest his soul that he's all slept under the uh-huh. in the funeral parlour. What was that thinking behind that?
0: No, that was the church. It was the, we all slept in the church. Um Stio was always afraid of the dark, mm-hmm. and he was, his coffin was in the church um, overnight, so me and the boys were like, yeah, let's go sleep there, let's go let's get our blankets or sleeping bags, whatever the hell we go, and go and have the crack in the church, like, we laughed our bollocks off, <laughs> we laughed our bollocks <laughs> off, we cried our hearts out, <laughs> we, you know, it was amazing, the priest was amazing. And late night there was a knocking on, on the church door about 1 a.m. And uh, there's an old singer called Daniel O'Donnell. Fucking Daniel O'Donnell brought us in fish and chips, you know what I mean? <laughs> I sat down and had a wee dram with us. <laughs> and you know, it, it was it was an amazing time and an amazing thing to be able to do. Um but yeah, and that's that was the reason. Cause the mm-hmm. I was afraid of the dark, man. So we just Yeah, fair play. Yeah. Even though looking back
1: and a bit of misery and a bit of turmoil and thinking it was you must have made some fucking great memories, brother. Do you know what I mean? You must have made your your dad proud as well, Successful Sisters, and Bewitched Yourself, one of the most successful boy bands. You must have made a lot of people proud, and even the people going to the concerts and stuff, you must have made them feel good, that you're going to see their heroes. uh,
0: I think think what music is, or how I feel music is, music or, I, I had an opportunity to be a part of a deliverer of happiness for folk, a deliverer of emotions, memories. And I never stood on that stage as, I am the fucking artist and I am the fucking pop star here. I stood on that stage, saying, given the people, they, they're the heroes. They're, it's their journey more than it probably was ours. We just, we were the makers. We made the shit and the people lived the shit. And I, And I think that's what music is all about. I think, To stand up there and go, yeah, fucking, uh, I I am MTV Awards and blah, 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 blah. They're bleeding doorstops on me toilet, you know, which are amazing doorstops, don't (laughs) get me wrong. Look fucking great. (laughs) But the true heart of music and any creator, I think is in the pleasure of the receiver. Yeah.
1: Boyzone's biggest song, no matter what. You hate it, why?
0: I'm bored the shit out of me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it it touched a lot of people, Mm -hmm. but at the time, I was in a dark place. I was in a dark ass place. So that song was like, fuck off.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just making you feel worse. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So when you go through all this, now in 2020, you're still trying to get into the music, you and a few of the old school boys. Yeah, throwing back a... So there must be something inside you that... Even though there's something, you hate it in a Uh way, and you know, you spiral fast, but there's obviously must be something in you that, okay, this is a different time, maybe it can be better. There must be some passion in you that you must love it.
0: I learned a great trade, Mm -hmm. you know, being an artist. And being a not necessarily, I don't know, I I learned something that I, I do love it, but I think in a lot of circumstances of the boys on scenario, it wasn't me, it wasn't my character. And I think now in this time around, I have an opportunity to do what I like to do, and it's it's just more comfortable. And with the boys, old school friends like that, who are all into the same kind of scenario and understand the same music project and the same creativity. I battled a lot in boys on with creativity. They didn't understand why I did shit. They didn't understand why I grow a big ass beard. They didn't understand why I got tattooed. They didn't understand. They don't understand that side of who I was. Why well, these boys have no opinion on that? I rock up and I rock up and it's. They rock up and they rock up. We're big men in the industry now. There's not, there's not, we didn't grow as kids as such in the same family, nickerin, bickering, you do this, you do that, you can't do this, you do that. It's a, chi- it's a childish position almost, boys on, continue to, because that's how we knew it. Yeah, he's only kids, man. Only kids. Only and we stayed babies. as kids. Yeah. I think that's the problem. Mm-hmm. The mentality stays as kids. And we're this now, in this new project, I'm a fucking man. And
1: So who's the boy? Is it Abs, you? Me, Abs, Dane, Dave Bowers, and Ben. It, and you're going to get singles and stuff out next year? We got Album? Re- We've
0: we got a record out on November 20th.
1: Are you excited? Yeah. Are you nervous? No. <laughs> if you spiral again, mate, I'm coming back here, mate, <laughs> and I'm fucking taking you up to no. Scotland, mate. No, I'm excited about it. It's fun.
0: <laughs> it's a fun project. And I'm doing songs I like to do. Like, we're kind of paying homage to uh, the 90s and, and the music we were into in the 90s. Um, it's kind of the 90s relived or remade, mm-hmm. but from just different artists we loved good stuff man so
1: moving forward for the future then obviously you've got that project what other stuff have you got in the pipeline
0: (laughs) boy get this TV show off the ground now you know this is the next few month build I don't mean physical I mean just on uh, viewership and just enjoy this like I come into work here every Couple of days for about an hour. <laughs> it, people, uh, I'd like to say I was in here for longer, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> Lazy bastard. People missing. An and just go, "Everything cool, everything cool." Look mm. at the shots, look at the clips, look at the thingies, and go, "Right, cool, all in order." And and I and I love, I love the process of what it is and what it can create. We can create a lot of shit here, and I and I'm about to create my own world of content. Yeah. I'm mad for it, like.
1: Yeah, good on you. Buzzing. Man. Yeah, you look happy, bro. It's good <laughs> to see you, mate. For anybody that's watching, maybe struggling. Battling in a dark hole themselves, what advice would you have for them?
0: I think it's really hard to advise anybody in a dark hole because all they want to tell you is "fuck off." You don't understand, and I get that. I've been there. I've been to the "fuck off" scenarios, but it can and it does get better if you if you let it. You can just block that shit out forever, push people away forever, and and just want no help. Pride is involved. I'm not even you know us men. We can be awful fellas. For just covering that shit up, but if you've got it inside you, you know, if you've got it inside you to uh, to allow that little bit of release, to extend that hand and just ask someone, listen, don't even say you want help, just ask them what they would do. What would you do if you know this? Don't be scared, man. It's a scary. The world's fucking scary. It's a scary ass place, and don't be afraid. It, it, it can it can get better.
1: Yeah, fair play, brother. Listen, for coming on today and telling your story, it's very much appreciated. I look forward to seeing your journey again back in the music scene. So, yeah, I'll be jumping on your Facebook live <laughs> later, which we'll leave the link on in the description. But, top man. Sound. Yeah, cheers, brother. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Cheers. You can also watch my podcast on my YouTube channel. The link is in the bio if you'd like to subscribe. You can follow me on my social media platforms to see who my next guest is. Follow me on Facebook at James English11. Twitter, James English Zero. Instagram, James English Two. You can also download these podcasts on iTunes or Spotify.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino.